Fantastic. Well, it's uh, great to be with you all uh, on behalf of Rhoda and indeed the whole Agabac clan. Uh, so this is taken on our family holiday last, last year. And uh, so for those of you who don't know me, Ella on the right there is uh, 23. She's off at uni a year to go and God willing she will be a doctor which would be very exciting. She now has a hoodie that says doctor to be I think. Um, or doctor in preparation or something like that. Um, Izzy uh, is also off at uni and Alice is about to go. Uh, so this September, good willing, she'll be off as well. So please pray for her choices. And then uh, Toby's gone to Mountain Movers, is I believe the correct terminology. I am instructed not to use the phrase preteens, but Mountain Movers. So he's excited to uh, spend time with Mulligan and uh, Bethany and others. Um, I had the privilege of sharing a TED Talk, TED talk uh, just a two, two Tuesdays ago, which was a fun experience. It was um, a bit scary, uh, knowing it was being live streamed to the whole universe. Um, the thing I found hardest about the whole experience was I'm used to talking in church and I'm used to talking at work and suddenly I'm speaking to a mixed audience. I know there's going to be Christian friends listening, there's going to be family listening, there's going to be work colleagues listening, clients and just the wider. And it's quite a challenge to figure out how to present things that are important to me like my faith in a way that's going to be accessible to people from very different backgrounds. Um, but a lot of people uh, spoke to me and said uh, the topic I shared about was sort of, you know, is, is work-life balance achievable? And, and uh, spoiler alert, I said that's the wrong question, which is a classic thing that a consultant should do, is reframe the question. <laughs> and uh, said that, that I th thought any sane person looking at my life would not describe it as a balanced life, but I would hope they might describe it as a passionate and a fulfilled life. And... And several people said they found that helpful, people from all those different kinds of backgrounds. And so uh, preparing for the message today, I thought, well, what's a more scripturally rooted way of um, talking about similar questions? Because we all live busy lives here, right? Many of you uh, got families, work, you know, you've got many you know, st your students here, you've got uh, exams coming up, you've got uh, you know, many responsibilities, we're, we're called to be Christians who live life to the full, you know, our lives are full indeed, and yet it's sometimes easy um, to feel like uh, you know, you're spinning all the plates and several of the plates are wobbling and maybe one or two have, 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 uh, have got dents from previous falls. And I thought um, that Abraham and Sarah are a great couple to look at as a couple in the Bible who live passionate, fulfilled lives through... You know, very eventful, uh, you know, uh, events in their, in their life. And um, I thought that might be encouraging. And um, so uh, that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about a passionate faith fulfilled. And uh, we'll start in the book of, of Genesis in chapter 11. And to save me getting a crick in my neck, I'm going to... Turn to that as well. So it's in Genesis 11, verses 31 and 32. 
Electronic Bibles can be slower. (coughs) So Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set off from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there, and we'll stop there. So it's a short passage. Um, but you know, normally when we start the story of Abram, we start in chapter 12, which is, continues immediately after this verse. And, and that's God's call to Abraham to leave the place he's come from and go to Canaan to go to the promised land. Um, but I think it's instructive to start the story here because we realize that Abram was not the first in his family to be called to go to Canaan. You know, his father, Terah, uh, was also called to go to Canaan. And they got quite a long way on the journey. So I don't know how well you can read, read this. But Ur of the so this is Mediterranean, Israel, and Ur is down here, um, which is in southern Iraq in modern-day uh, modern geography. And uh, in fact, uh, you can find uh, artifacts from Ur. It's been excavated uh, in the British Museum. There's uh, gold jewelry. There's a board game that's sort of roughly similar to, to backgammon. There's, uh, you know, they've excavated it. And it's quite a, you know, it's, it's, it's a place that has two-story buildings. It was, a, you know, an established, you know, reasonably mature civilization. So it, it can't have been easy for Terah and for Abraham and their families to leave their established community. And they traveled about 600 miles up to um, Haran, which is apparently just uh, near the border of Syria and Turkey. So where there's a lot of conflict going on at the moment. So it's about a 600-mile journey. Uh, so about 600 miles to get up there. And then it's about another 600 miles or so, another five or 600 miles uh, you know, on foot. Maybe they had donkeys or camels or whatever to help carry some of their stuff. Um, but that's a long way. You, know, you can imagine if you're able to go maybe 10 or, if you're very bold, 20 miles uh, with a family in a day. You know, that might be 30 days, 30, 45 days, you know, a couple of, a couple of months uh, journey. And the Bible says here they settle in Haran, and for, for, the Bible doesn't say why, but Terah gives up on his dream. You know, he's been called by God to go to Canaan. He gets halfway there, and he, he settles. And that's my, my first point, is don't settle halfway there. Don't settle halfway there. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's easy sometimes to settle. It's easy to give up on our dreams. And I, th- I can imagine, we don't know exactly why uh, Terah gave up on his dreams. We do know that uh, he had a son called Haran who died. And uh, sometimes, you know, when you have a bereavement, when you have something tragic like that happen to you, it can really knock your faith, you know, it can be, uh, you know, devastating if, if something that you believed was God's plan and God's will for your life doesn't turn out the way you hoped and wanted it to be. And perhaps some of us have had, you know, bereavements or precious plans and dreams that didn't turn out the way that we hoped it would. 
And the fact that uh, the place is called Haran is perhaps because Terah named it that after the son that he had lost. Um, but Abraham and Sarah could have used that as an excuse themselves. You know, they had their own disappointments. You know, they were not able at this point to have children. You know, they, uh, Abram's name means exalted father. So he was clearly expected to have children. And yet, even at the age of 75, uh, which is about how old he was when he was called by God in, uh, to go, um, he hadn't had children. And, you know, presumably they would have given up on or been tempted to give up on the hope of children at that stage in life. You know, for Sarah, being childless, you know, would have been particularly challenging in that society. You know, being childless was assumed to be the woman's problem, even though, you know, we know today biologically it can be for all sorts of reasons. Um, you know, so they had significant setbacks in their lives that they themselves could have used as a reason to give up on their dreams and plans. And later on, as for those of you who know the story of Abraham and Sarah well, they have other setbacks. You know, they arrive in Canaan ultimately, and having arrived, there's a famine. And it would have been, you know, they must have thought, well, God, we followed your plan, we, we did the right thing, we left behind where we need to go, and suddenly you brought us to a place where there's no food. Now, how is that your plan? And they have to go down, as you see in the diagram, uh, down from, from uh, Canaan down to Egypt, and they wait there until the famine has passed before coming back up again. And along the way, they have, you know, some, some setbacks. You know, Abra Abraham is afraid that Sarah's going to be, Sarah being an attractive woman, as all of our wives are, uh, that, uh, um, that she's going to be uh, taken advantage of. He might be uh, uh, maltreated on behalf of her. And uh, so he lies to Pharaoh and says, Sarah's my sister. He later does the same thing again to Abimelech, another, another king. And, uh, you know, it can be hard uh, for wives when husbands are less than perfect and don't stand up for us. Uh, can be uh, hard as husbands to recognize that you've got, uh, you're not quite the man of faith that you would like to be uh, to lead your wife, to lead your family some of the time. You know, it would have been easy for Abram and Sarah to let those setbacks damage their faith, and yet they continued on, you know, their more than 1,200 mile journey, um, and they refused to settle halfway there. You know, it's, there's definitely been times in my life when I've been tempted to settle and, and to give up. You know, we, Rhoda and I became Christians at the age of 19 when we were students. We graduated at 22. We got married young, which was wonderful. Um, if God brings you the right person at the right time, then uh, seize the opportunity. Um, we went off to Sweden, you know, to go on a mission team. We were going to, you know, join a mission team to go and start a church in, in, uh, in Copenhagen and then, but after going there, I found the transition of new country, new relationships, new married life, new everything, uh, much harder than I was expecting. And I struggled, and I struggled with sin. And I, I, I you know, it must have been very challenging for Rhoda to, to see her husband struggling. And, and uh, we ended up coming back to London, and we're very grateful to people like the Partingtons and the Blouse and others who patched us up and helped us uh, get strong again. 
And then a few years later in 92, we were sent out another mission team to Oxford. And uh, that was a, a great uh, adventure and great journey. And we're, you know, we're, I'm grateful to this day for the things that God did while we were there. Um, but we never quite got to critical mass. You know, it was a team of three and then six and then ultimately about 15 or so, but it never quite got to critical mass. And four years later, we reluctantly decided to move back down to London and, and, uh, and have a fresh start. And, you know, since then, and since 96, we've been, you know, in London, in and around Wembley, Harrow area. We've had the privilege of serving with many different hats. And, um, you know, we've had wonderful times. We've had challenging times. And it's, there have definitely been times when we've been tested and tempted, you know, uh, our middle daughter, Isabel, not doing well in her faith uh, over the last year has been far and away, you know, the, the biggest test and challenge uh, for me uh, in my faith uh, for many, many years. And, you know, decided to step down as an elder, uh, you know, connected with that was also hard, although her faith is far more important than any hat that I wear. Um, but it's, it's, you know, staying faithful through those ups and downs is a real challenge. It's tempting just to settle at some point and think, okay, God doesn't have a great plan for my life, or I've messed up, or circumstances are against me. And I think sometimes God does want to reshape and redirect our plans. You know, some of the things I wrote down of my career aspirations or other things have been fulfilled in very different ways than how I originally anticipated them. So I think it's, hum it's, it's humble to recognize that God sometimes wants to take us in a different direction, but it should still be a faithful direction. It should be a, a, a step uh, that glorifies God, that where we don't cling on to err, don't cling on to you know, the comforts of, of home, um, but we're willing to be used to, uh, to do great things uh, whether you're young or whether, like Abraham, you're 75 years old. I don't know if there's anyone who qualifies here in the room. I don't think so. Um, but uh, uh, some of us closer than others. Um, but I have a couple of, of questions for you. So, you know, in what ways have you settled in Haran? You know, have you given up on dreams that God had given you? You know, have you uh, settled for... Uh, mediocrity. You know, it's easy sometimes just to get into habits, um, sometimes good habits, sometimes not so good habits in, in relationships, in marriage, in family, in our discipleship, in our ministry. Um, you know, it's important to uh, allow God to wake us up from time to time and remind us of the dreams and plans that he had for us, you know, and I think it's inspiring to see Abram uh, you know, not allow himself to settle in Haran, but to go on to achieve his dreams and through those ups and downs. Um, you know, I mentioned Abraham lying to Pharaoh. I think it's also good from time to time to, to say, well, how am I doing with my integrity? You know, are there things that I'm not being open about? You know, one of the biz, bi biggest uh, reasons to lose faith is when we know we don't have a clear conscience you know it's hard to be faithful when you don't have a clear conscience and uh, you know deciding to be open and honest with God deciding to be open and honest with your spouse if you're married with uh, one or two close friends uh, who have strong spiritual convictions I think those are great things to do to make sure that we keep a clear conscience and don't settle halfway there um, you know, I, I sat down with, uh, with Isabel uh, 
Uh, we, I got most Sundays to have dinner with her, and um, being an impoverished student, she was very happy to have someone come and buy her dinner. <laughs> and uh, we, have, we have some great talks. Um, and last Sunday, we had uh, one of the best talks we've had in a long time, and, and she... She said, you know, Dad, I want you, you and Mum to know that I want to do the right thing and, and, um, and I want to know how you, you know, what you think. You know, she says, I, I always know how, what Mum thinks. I don't always know what you think. And I think I'm, I'm uh, even though Rhoda's more English than me, um, biologically, um, I think I have the Englishness of being less forthright, you know, transparent. Sometimes I dance a bit around the bush. Um, and Isabel said to me, I want to know what you think about my life, about the choices I'm making. And, and I was very grateful that she you know, invited me into her life, you know, because I've not felt, I've had felt there were some areas of her life that was, you know, no-go areas, difficult to talk about. And, uh, and I was re- extremely grateful that she was inviting me into that part of her life. Um, and I recognized, okay, I'd... I'd now, because of the hurt in our relationship uh, over her faith decisions, you know, I had settled for a lack of closeness and intimacy in talking about matters of the heart. And I, you know, my own fears and nervousness about going there had prevented me from having those conversations, even though actually she was quite willing to have them. And I'm grateful that she said that, but it could easily have been the case that she didn't say anything, I didn't say anything, we went on. You know, me thinking like, well, at least we're having dinner together, but not uh, going uh, the extra step to, to say, well, would you like to pray together? Or, or can we talk about um, your faith? Or can we talk about, um, you know, other aspects of her life? So I'd like to encourage you in your family relationships and in your spiritual relationships in church to, uh, to, to not settle for mediocrity, to, you know, be willing to go you know, outside of the comfort zone to really connect with each other in uh, you know, the heart areas to have the conversations we need to have to help us be faithful. Secondly, keep your focus on the big things. So you'll remember, you'll probably know that uh, Abraham is given this promise in chapter 12. Uh, we won't look at all the passages, but uh, that he will, he'll be made into a great nation and uh, we're picking up the story a little bit further on in, in, here in Genesis chapter 16, where they've been down to Canaan, they've gone down to Egypt, they've come back out of, of, of Egypt, and still no children. And uh, their faith is being tested because the promises have not come true. And sometimes, you know, that's the case. God's timing is not our timing. And... Um, and so uh, Sarah decides that maybe there's a compromise arrangement that can work. And let's read here from verses 1 to 6. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. So it's always God's fault. <laughs> Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarah said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarah said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. 
I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. And Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from, from her. Wow. So, side point, I recommend having only one wife, okay? Uh, <laughs> top tip. Um, Amen. Hopefully we all agree with that point. Um, but it's easy at our moments when our faith is being tested, when promises haven't been fulfilled, to compromise and take an easy option. And that's what happens here. Abraham and Sarah take their focus off the big things, take their focus off the, the, the promise by faith, and they take a shortcut. And that soon leads to conflict. You know, Sarah blames God. Abraham blames Sarah, uh, or rather Sarah blames Abraham. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of conflict suddenly in their family life. And uh, you could argue that it's because he, you know, Abraham took two wives, and I would also agree with that point. But I think there's a wider point that they lost sight of their promise. They lost sight of their, the passionate faith. They lost sight of the brave decisions that they had made earlier on in life. And suddenly there was a lot of conflict. And I've noticed that I can be the same. You know, when I'm doing well spiritually, when my eyes are fixed on the prize, I'm an encouraging person to be around. When, you know, things go wrong at home, I smooth them over and I'm an encouraging, faithful dad. When my faith is not fixed on God, then suddenly little things that happen at home become a source of enormous conflict. And uh, I start, you know, moaning and complaining and, you know, uh, tearing down my family rather than building my family up. And, you know, even in the church, I think when I'm doing well, when things go wrong, I'm like, okay, what can we do? What, what does God want to teach us? How can we learn from this? How can we go on? When I'm not doing well, when things don't go right in the church, I nitpick, you know, the font on the slides or, you know, spelling, <laughs> spelling mistakes or... or uh, <clears throat> You know, other things that annoy me, uh, which are not actually, you know, central matters of the faith. And, you know, so I think it's good to ask ourselves from time to time, you know, what annoys me? You know, are you upset over the lostness of the world? That's a big thing. All right. Or are you upset over the fact that your wife didn't make your tea quite the way you like it to be made this morning? Or, you know, whatever your pet peeve might be. You know, it's easy to get carried away. And a couple of questions, you know, what are the topics over which you most have conflict? You know, Jesus had a lot of conflict because he took a stand for what's right in, in terms of the big things. It's easy for me sometimes to end up in conflict over irrelevant matters, whether it's in the family or at work uh, or in the church. And on it, uh, think about it. You know, how, how do you need to reconnect with God in order to make sure you're focusing on the most important things? Thirdly and finally, we should renew our faith through worship. You know, when I started reading through the story of, of Abraham, I thought, well, what, what was it that enabled him to remain faithful through all the ups and downs that he experienced? And um, as I read through, I, I came across these passages. You know, in, in, in chapter 12, it says from there, he went 
uh, towards the hills east of Bethel, pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and A on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. And that's when he sort of first arrived in the promised land. Then later on, chapter 13, uh, he went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron and pitched his tents. Abraham was a very intense guy. There he built an altar to the Lord. And uh, you know, everywhere he went, he wanted to worship and uh, to honor God by where he lived and by how he lived. And then this, this is the most powerful for me. You know, Genesis 22, by this point, uh, Abraham, he's now Abraham, uh, uh, rather than Abraham, he's been given this new name and he's been given the son of the promise, the son of faith, uh, Isaac. And uh, God comes to him and asks him to sacrifice your son, your only son, whom you love. And he, uh, he decides to, to go off. He gets up early in the morning, travels on with his servants. And then it says to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back. You know, he sets his heart to go out and worship. And he says, by faith, we will come back. And that really moves me, you know, knowing that you know, his, his family was on the line and his son, his only son whom he loved, was, was, uh, at, his life was at risk. And yet he believed by faith that God would give Isaac back to him, that Isaac could raise him from the dead, we learn in the New Testament. And, uh, you know, his focus was on the worship. You know, we're going to go and worship. I'm going to give what I need to, to give to God. I'm going to pour out everything, even my most precious things. And I trust that God's going to protect me and God's going to bring us back uh, to a safe place. And that's, you know, that's easy to say when everything's going well. It's very hard to say when you're being asked to give up uh, your most precious thing or when things are going t- you know, terribly in your life rather than amazing in your life. Uh, and you know, certainly for, for Rhoda and I, the last year has been very challenging because uh, our, our middle daughter's faith is something that was so precious to us. And for, that to be, you know, for her not to be doing well spiritually is so challenging for us. And I, I can remember coming back from spending you know the 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 first night that uh, she shared her her, you know changing convictions it was the evening of my 50th birthday what should have been you know a very happy day in my life uh, suddenly became a a very distressing day and um, so I came back to Rhoda and after Izzy and I had been chatting for hours and I felt like I'd got nowhere at all and um and I said, and as I was walking back, I realized, okay, I've been 100% focused on my conversation with Izzy, and now I need to talk to Rhoda, I need to talk to Toby, I need to talk to the rest of the family. And I realized, okay, well, I, I need to be strong. I need to be there for my family. And I sat down with Rhoda, and I said, I choose to have faith. And, um, you know, I was reminded by Romans chapter 4, where talking of Abraham, it says, without weakening in his faith, verse 19, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, yet he didn't waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. I don't claim that I didn't waver through unbelief, because I certainly have done. Um, But it's inspiring to see Abraham and Sarah, you know, going through the challenges in their lives 
and deciding that despite the circumstances which are so difficult for them, that they would decide to have faith. And the fact that Abraham was willing to go to connect with God, to worship um, in order to strengthen and renew his faith from the inside, you know, that gave him the strength uh, to renew his faith and to be able to uh, remain focused on the dreams and plans that God uh, had given him. And so I'd, I'd like to ask you, you know, what steps do you want to take to renew your faith in worship? For you personally, uh, for your family, if you're, a family if, you're, if you're part of a family, um, you know, how are you going to renew your faith in worship? And are there dreams that you want to resurrect, to renew, or allow God to reshape, uh, to bring him glory? You know, are you prepared to make the sacrifices that Abraham was prepared to make in order to see those dreams come true? You know, for Abraham, worship was not just singing. Singing certainly is worship. I love the worship we have at church. But the definition of worship in the Bible is so much greater than that. You know, and Abraham saw, you know, offering his son as an act of spiritual worship. You know, we read from the, from the New Testament that uh, uh, <clears throat> offering our lives as living sacrifices is an act of spiritual worship. So having that worshipful attitude of, of being poured out like a drink offering, as Paul says in Philippians 2, uh, is... Uh, a wonderful act of worship and through which our faith can be renewed. So in conclusion, I'd like to read from uh, Hebrews 11. Uh, Hebrews 11 is the sort of hall of fame of faith. And as a London church, and as I believe you as well are doing, we're talking a lot about faith this year. And in Hebrews chapter 11, in verse 8, it says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went even though he didn't know where he was going. My life often feels like that. <laughs> By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Now, Abraham lived in tents. He didn't have a fixed place to call home. He moved around. He gave up perhaps the two-story building that he had come from in Ur, archaeologically. Um, but it says he was looking forward to a city, a city with foundations. You know, not just a building, but a city. He had a faithful vision of a spiritual kingdom. And if you read in, in Revelation uh, 22 about the coming of the New Jerusalem, it talks about a city with 24 foundations, you know, the Old Testament tribes and the New Testament prophets, uh, New Testament uh, uh, apostles, you know, the 24, uh, you know, the symbols of 12 and 12 from the Old and the New Testament. Uh, you know, it's the, it's, the, it's the fulfillment of the promises of Abraham uh, that generations and generations, more than the stars in the sky or the sand on the seashore, will come together into a home whose architect is God. Uh, rather than a place here on earth. And it's good to be reminded that uh, this, this earth, wonderful though it is, is a temporary place. And uh, we're called to be children of faith who, like Abraham, uh, look forward to a heavenly city. So, you know, I see in this passage the three points we've talked about. You know, Abraham obeyed God and went, you know, even when it wasn't completely clear what that meant. He didn't stop 
halfway. You know, he had his ups and downs, but he kept his focus on the most important things and didn't let his squabbles take him off, off track. And thirdly, he renewed his faith in worship, looking forward to that city with foundations. So I hope there's at least one of these three points is helpful to you today and perhaps something that you can take away and make a decision on that will help you like Abraham and like Sarah to live passionate lives of faithful fulfillment. Amen. Thank you.